You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, you may remember that the Prez uh, wrote a book, well, he had a ghost written for him. I guess not uncommon. A lot of guys uh, do that. And it was called The Art of the Deal. Not only that, when he campaigned in 2016, that was a lot of his pitch. Nobody can make a deal like I can. And I remember one associate I had uh, here in in Chicago telling me specifically that was the reason why he was going to vote for Donald Trump. This guy can break the logjam and get things get things done. So now we have great logjam characteristic Democrats passed a, uh, in the Congress, House of Representatives passed a relief bill two and a half months ago. Republicans did nothing with it at all. Now they're in deep disagreement. And where is the deal maker? He's on a three-day golf vacation. As far as I can tell, he's had nothing to do with these negotiations. Do you see it differently? No, maybe he needs a ghost negotiator. Ah, yes, I like it. So- because he sent Mnuchin, and I think he it's been Mnuchin who's negotiated on behalf of the White House. And, you know, not that I was ever a big Mnuchin fan, but I do think that he goes at the negotiations in good faith. I don't know why I think that, just... You know, my sense is that he is there to make a deal if there's a deal to be made. I think the problem that Mnuchin has, and honestly, Trump would have too, even if he were skilled, is the the sides are so far apart. And that doesn't even mean McConnell and Pelosi. I mean, within the Republican Party, they're so far apart, they can't find the contours of the deal. No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Because when you use the word sides, what ran through my mind is what are the sides anymore? Because it appears that there's two uh, groups within the Republican Party. And I wonder if one of them isn't in a way uh, aligned with Trump's chief of staff. Why am I going to bungle the name? McCarthy, right? Kevin. No, McCarthy? no, Meadows. He's Mark Meadows. Meadows. Mark Meadows. Kevin McCarthy is, I knew I was going to bungle that. But Meadows at one time was part of that whole whole group. The, That's the Freedom Caucus, right? Freedom Caucus, the Tea Party group uh, that just are absolutely staunch. We cannot run up the deficit unless we're doing it with tax cuts for the very, very wealthy, which those are wealth producers and job creators. So that's all different. And I don't know how that part, the Freedom Caucus group, and kind of the more, I don't know, maybe we call them mainstream Republicans. I don't know how they ever come together. I don't either. And I, I mean, that's been McConnell's 
a challenge to manage those people. And, you know, in the House of Representatives, ultimately, that's why Boehner stepped down. He was right. like, I can't manage this herd of cats. But McConnell has had a unifying force in save the Trump presidency so that we get the courts, we get the deregulation, and we get the tax cuts. And that has animated that group and held them together. He hasn't had to face this well, kind of issue with them. Yeah, and let's think of a couple of things here specifically. I mean, it's not necessarily the biggest issue that they're far apart on, but it's the one we hear most about, and that is the question of the federal, uh, what do you call it, extra or added supplemental unemployment uh, PUA, PUA, right. that's Pandemic Unemployment Assistance. Yeah. Right, and that's the $600. Unemployment is actually a state function, and every state does unemployment a little bit differently. Uh, there's some variety on that, but there is such a thing as a federal unemployment, and in fact, as part of our FICA tax, uh, is it in FICA? Now I'm not so certain of that, whether the federal unemployment becomes part of that. I don't think it's in FICA, but there is a contribution that happens to federal unemployment. Now, this $600 is not going to be funded by any of that. It's going to have to come out from general budget. But there is a philosophical difference on should we be giving $600 a person additional to the people who are unemployed. And also, I mean, part of it, I think, was never well articulated or understood at its inception. One of the, I think part of it is some Republicans felt, felt like they were hoodwinked. If you remember in the first bill where that $600 showed up, and, and it was our friend Lindsey Graham who said something like, well, we didn't know you meant $600 a week or some crazy thing like that. Yeah. But I, I think what many liberals thought, many Democrats thought is, one, you will keep money running into the economy. First of all, anybody who's been on unemployment knows that it's not, it doesn't replace your full wages. So the $600, which if you calculate that is $15 at 40 hours a week. So it would be if you paid someone 15 bucks an hour, they'd make $600 a week. Yeah. That was kind of the like the, I think the some Republicans thought that was sneaky. You know what I mean? Like, oh, dollars yeah. an hour. But the other thing is, it wasn't just to help these individuals, but it was to help keep money going into the economy. Because, you know, the lower your income is, the more you spend every dollar that comes in. So the thinking was one way to keep the economy from cratering is to keep this money in the economy. And when you've taken out like you do now, then that's, I mean, what is the number? It's a, a billion, you know, it's in the billions yes. of dollars that will not continue to go into the economy as we try to dig ourselves out from where we're at. Well, but isn't what frightens them this kind of like moral question that bothers them all the time? I guess you could call it a moral hazard almost that if you are paying people more than they were making on their job, then they have no reason to work, no incentive to work, and they will sit home 
and watch Dr. Phil and do nothing. And by doing this, you're essentially promoting laziness and you're keeping people from going back to work. Is is that the, the thing driving them nuts? That's the, it's, it is. It's driving them crazy, but it's such a misunderstanding of how things are really working. In other words, many people, and I don't know which one of the schools did this research, but many people actually are still making less or making close to what they were making when they were working. The people that really helped and got them above where they were was benefits that were giving being given to gig workers and part-time workers. And they still were getting $600. It wasn't a portion of what they made. It wasn't prorated. But I think back to your point, this fear is that people work only for money and don't understand that we work for a lot of other reasons besides just money. Some of the economic reasons we work is for health insurance. Yep. So that's $600, $2,400 a month is not going to get you your health insurance at what it costs you to get it from your employer. The other reason people work is their sense of self and satisfaction and identity. And so maybe you're, you think, well, why would somebody working as a waitress feel that way? You know, only lawyers and doctors feel that way. But we all value our work and what that means about us as a human being. So, and part of it is, as we've found from people who are, have been quarantined is some of it's just getting out of the house, the camaraderie, the whole thing that work gives us. So I think it's such a small way to view work and money as it's associated with work. That's, but I do agree that's their fear and their argument. What's interesting to me about that is that doesn't extend to the other group of people that they've given money to willy-nilly, which is these businesses through PPP, some who needed it and it helped them, some who just gouged, it took the money they didn't need. And is there no moral hazard associated with that? Well, I know. And, it, you know, so that's one of the great issues on it. And it's one of the ones we have to wonder. Uh, you know, we hear from people, I hear from newscasters asking uh, the Republicans said, well, maybe 200. Democrats are saying keep 600. What if we cut it in the middle at 400? But my read of Nancy Pelosi has been to say, no, you're still cutting people by 200. No, that's wrong. And I got to tell you, just for me, I think it's wrong. I would like to see the Democrats hold fast and say no. It's 600 bucks. Isn't it interesting that this is the issue that the Democrats have finally grown a pair on? Yeah. So we have sat back for four years, well, two really, and watched time and time again, whether it was the impeachment issue, whether it was on the courts, where they just didn't seem to be able to get their mojo. I agree with you. I think the Democrats are in a strong position to say no. We are going to get what we need to save the economy and to save these individual humans. One of the other big issues that there's a sticking point on is money to uh, cities and states. And you know the thinking on this, and Trump, again, always saying the quiet thing out loud, said, we're not going to be bailing out a state like Illinois, I'm going to use an example of that, who mismanaged their pension fund, and now we're going to give them money. 
not understanding and realizing these are two very separate things. Yeah. And you're not, ba- I get that money is fungible and all that, but you're not bailing Illinois out by making sure that they're not laying off uh, police, teachers, uh, doctors, nurses, all kinds of public safety folks, because it's almost like they don't understand the economics of it. If your tax revenue is down, then you have to lay off people in cities and states. It's just simple math. Absolutely it is. And he has framed it, uh, and McConnell has as well, so much in terms of politics. We're not going to bail out the Democratic cities, states who have mismanaged it, all appealing to that uh, group uh, of red state who, I mean, he described them perfectly when he did this attack, this crazy attack on Joe Biden. Joe Biden is uh, hates the Bible. He hates God. He hates guns. And he hates energy, our kind of energy. So who are we describing here? You know, we're describing a group of people that says, yeah, don't bail out those big cities with all their fat stuff that they give to all of their people and all their guns on on the streets. He's once again divided it that way. John, it's it's that Trump sign, guns, gods and Trump. Yep. And he he put that in a nutshell. And it was funny. I had lunch today with our sister Susie and we were talking about this. And I said, what's funny is Joe Biden is a very observant Catholic, but you know, there is no risk for him to go after Joe Biden as a Catholic with the evangelicals because they don't believe we're really Christians. Nope. That's also code. That is also a dog whistle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so what he does to kind of go back where we started Rather than exercise this awesome deal-making ability, he says, well, I'm going to put out executive decisions, executive uh, commands, and that'll do it. And I'll put the payroll tax cut, which everybody, uh, both parties have walked away from. Uh, I'll take care of all of this. Well, the fact of the matter is he doesn't have that authority to do that. And so it really is just saying, okay, we're going to do nothing, but I'll make a little show that I'm so good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Then he may have a pen, but he doesn't have the power of the purse. No, he doesn't. You know, this is really a conversation for another day, but there's this move to increase teaching about civics in high school yes. like we used to learn yeah and this is a good which has happened yeah, yeah in illinois it's now mandated yes and that's a good thing because every american when he says that should say to themselves he doesn't have the authority to do that no i guess we have to wind up he was in your city and state right cleveland he Ohio, was. yesterday he was. the trip did not go as well as he would have liked it no it didn't because he got a negative negative test uh or positive with the wine that turned it out to be negative and it just um you know he's trying to win ohio but he shouldn't come to cleveland he might as well go to central ohio he's not winning cleveland <laughs> no and the test that uh, did finally showed correctly for governor dewine 
was from The Ohio State University. My alma mater. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I just want to say one thing, Mr. President, hang on Sloopy. <laughs> Go back. Sloopy, <laughs> hang on. All right. I'll talk Bye. to you. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.